welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. We're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is J.K. Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. Welcome everybody to Pottercast 141. I am Melissa. I'm here with Sue and John. No? Who is that? I don't... What? Where's John? This is... This is our friend Frack. John is not going to be with us for the next couple of weeks because oh. he is getting ready to graduate from school. Yay! And we fought and he... I didn't want him to leave, but he beat me. No, I'm... I'm he won the conversation. No, I'm... Yeah. He did not. He did not. We, we, we kicked him out. We told him to go and... It worked! And, uh, Yay! No, finish school and not worry about podcasts. So... Very sad to say we won't have him for a few weeks, but we're very happy to welcome our substitute for a while, Mr. Frank Frack Franco the Third. Hello. Yay. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here and miss you guys. It's fun to help out whenever I can. That is your full name, Frank what? Frack Franco. I can't say your name three times fast. Frack Frank. I just prefer Fra- the Frack. And everyone's like, oh my God, what was that to my ears? But that's what they did. That's what we do. Frack. Anyway, um, if you guys remember the Jingle Spells CD that we put out over Christmas with all the Wizard Rock songs, mm-hmm. that artwork on the front of the cover, Frack did that. Oh, yes. And I want to ask him about this, too, because he's on now. We can talk about this a little bit more because there was a great mystery about those three people on the back of the cover. Oh, OK. Then let's do okay. that afterwards, because right, we'll, we'll we'll save that for the end. OK, good. Well, right now, Suze, what's happening this week in Harry Potter news? Well, it's I know that we're a bit of a lull now because of the uh, there's no trailer, although we're hopefully soon and we don't know we don't know anything we don't know when the new pictures are coming people keep asking but what has been going on is that dan ratcliffe did win an award for his performance in the play equus he won at the what's on stage theater award for the london newcomer of the year so well done dan yeah you know but it was funny too the play won for best revival but it also got an award for the uh, theater event of the year for those his naked pictures (laughs) can i say that the pictures didn't win theater events of the year. It did. The publicity photos won. Oh, the publicity did. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yes. Those, seriously? The fo- seriously. They gave it an award. The publicity. The photos in which, the photos in which there was an artfully placed horse. Yes. A conveniently placed stallion. Yeah. Like a fig leaf yes. to use a horse. I mean, wow! I know. Can you imagine? I just, I just, I had to like read okay. that like three times, but that's what that what it was. The, for I'm assuming they're talking instead about that beautiful picture where he's got his head back and his torso turns into the, the head of a horse. Mm. That's no. That is was a fabulous. It is a really no, no, really no. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Wait a second. How can, I didn't read this news article right. I'm going to go read it. Right it's now. the What's on Stage Theater Awards. He went for the. It's the AKA Theater Event of the Year. There it is. Um, also, who also won? Um, Dame Maggie Smith uh, won for Best Actress for her performance in The Lady from Dubuque, which I think that you guys, her, Melissa and John saw when they were there. And so um, Fiona Shaw also won, too, for Best Solo Performance for Happy Days. And, uh, in Happy Days. Yes. And you saw that, too, right? That is a... Right? Yeah. John and I saw that. And I, I have to tell you that that those... That is a really misleading title to that show. What do you mean? <laughs> happy days. Happy days. I mean, the immediate images of that 50s sitcom and or that a play called Happy Days would be, that's, you know. That's what I, th- I thought it was a about the sitcom. It's not? Bit. No. Oh, no, okay. No. I was going to say, they did a sitcom? No. Oh, a musical and a sitcom? I thought that maybe there'd be some happiness in Happy Days, but apparently not. Oh. It is a one-woman show with a couple of extra people around as kind of more, more props than real characters. Mm-hmm. And basically... For the first half of the show, she's buried to her waist in sand. Yeah. And for the second half of the show, she's buried to her neck in sand. And it's a really phenomenal acting feat that she can command a stage doing that. But I I have to tell you, you know, Samuel Beckett is not the most literal of writers there's ever been. And so it's really, I personally prefer to read rather than watch wow. that show. Okay. Maybe that makes me not a theater elite. I don't care at all. Yeah. But 
Plus, you know, yeah. plus two, wasn't it one of like John's first plays that he'd seen? And there was this kind of <laughs> abstract kind of thing going on. <laughs> yes. He's seen a ton of musicals, never a play. And I drag him into a play. And it is the, this one person, very abstract, very high minded, requires interpretation. But the funny thing about it is that, you know, you know that 99% of the people in the audience are thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> that it may be a fantastic, you know, yeah. it may be a fantastic piece of tour de force performance wonderful theater a brilliant piece but it is not that entertaining and people literally jump to their feet screaming and jumping which i just maybe i'm just severely out of touch i can't imagine that the majority of the people in that theater were that riveted honestly Uh, it's just they're intimidated by the surroundings so they have to look like they're all behind it so you know let me let me make no qualms about it she was brilliant because the performance was amazing and you can recognize that without thinking it's like, you know, yeah. cats. But anyway, yeah. sorry. There's my little theater rant. No, that's, <laughs> it's fine. She, um, she also, uh, Fiona Shaw was also recently honored right before the Oscar awards from the, um, it was, it was like a special us Irish, uh, celebration. It was Oscar Wilde awards or something. And she got recognized for her, um, you know, her contributions to stage and, and, and movies and stuff. So well done her. She did that. It was great. So go Fiona. Yeah. yeah. No, she's a f- she's phenomenal. Because I had just seen a, a thing. It was like on the Bravo channel or one of those Ovation channels or something. And there was a, a whole like half hour special on her. And they had talked about her portrait. She she, she really enjoys uh, art and everything. And, and she talked about that portrait we'd seen a couple years ago that was done of her. And it was really kind of interesting. I mean, she's really an interesting person. I don't really know too much about her other work on. So I haven't got to see that many performances on stage with her. But it's a pretty interesting show. I'm sure it'll be repeated sometime. But okay, one other. Let's see. Um, Speaking of honors, uh, congratulations go to Julie Walters, who is now a commander of the British Empire. What? How many Harry Potter actors so, so are part of the British Empire? I mean, think about that. Well, I know uh, Coltrane, Christie. Yes. Uh, John Hurt was, I'm pretty sure. What, what, what does that mean? Like... Is it like knight, being knighted? Well, yeah, it is. It's part of the honors. Like they are awards uh, presented by, I don't know if especially from the queen or just the, you know, the monarchy or whatever that are presented for like a, your contribution and service to whichever, like in this sense, it was for her, uh, Julie's commitment and service to um, drama in the UK and her work and movies and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. And Joe, isn't Joe one? Didn't Joe get one, Melissa? Joe is. Joe is. Yeah. Also, Sir Michael Gambon. Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't wasn't Richard yes. Harris a sir? Yeah, I think he was. Because in lots and well, Maggie Smith is right. Dame Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dame Maggie Smith. So if you got all the Harry Potter ac- actors who are a member of the the British Empire together, could they like overthrow the government? <laughs> they should start the the the, the ministry. Can you imagine? Of That'd be awesome. <laughs> Here they come in witch hats and That'd be awesome. you know yeah. commanding armies <laughs> and fleets. You know what that would be fun if you know if you could like rule the world. You know because I love this magazine called Vanity Fair and they have this. <laughs> there's this fabulous photographer named Annie Leibovitz and she always does these great yeah. like. Wouldn't that be fun? She could do that portrait of yeah. all of them sitting in their hat like in the ministry thing. That would just be a fabulous portrait. I, that would be be fun. Kind of brings a whole new meaning to Dumbledore's army. But um bum. <laughs> hey oh it's awesome awesome we're, we're without john yeah. somebody's gotta make the cheesy yeah. joke okay yeah okay um okay our friend miss joe can i just say this uh she's still continuing her charity work and she's continuing to um bring awareness to the uh children's voice campaign about the um the, the poor children that were in the um that were in cages, cages. yes, and uh, um, she's she met again with, uh, and this time with UK Prime Minister Gordon Brown recently, and his wife. And they talked about and the Romanian. I think the Prime Minister or President was there in town, and um, they met with the wife of her and of the Prime Minister or President, and um, to talk about how they can improve these conditions. So Joe is still actively. She's not just doing these these charity things and just like dropping the ball. She's like still working on it. So there's a big blurb about that, and I thought that was really pretty cool that she's. You know, here's Joe hanging with the UK prime minister, you know, and you kind of kind of think about that, that image of like um, in the beginning of like half-blood prince, you know, when like mm-hmm. a wizard pops into the prime minister's office. Here's Joe popping in. OK, here I go. <laughs> Maybe it was all a ruse. Maybe she had to go to check up on the, the painting on the wall. Maybe it's all real. <gasps> you mean it's not? <gasps> oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, All right, what else happening um, with the news? Oh, just one more thing. There was another, yet another endless survey. Uh, this time it was like, I think it was for a charity thing for the, the best 50 children's book of all time. And Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince was actually the one that was chosen and it came in at number six. But interesting. I know. Oh, and it was the only one of the series that was picked. Like Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe was number one. And really? Hungry Caterpillar was number two. And the famous five series, uh, which was pretty famous. I don't think many American children. No against it against her at all. But I just don't think that many American children have read those series. But they were number three. And then Winnie the Pooh was number four. And a book by. Oh, Pooh. I know. So, <laughs> you know, and then. Pooh bear winning the pooh bear. I loved him. Oh, I loved Eeyore, though. Climbs in a honey tree. Eeyore. We can't get Thanks into the whole no cartoon character stuff with us because, you know, <laughs> it will never end. I know. Yeah, it won't. Uh, in other news, we had, there has been an update in the J.K. Rowling Warner Brothers versus... RDR books Ooh. case in which in which um, J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers are trying to stop an unofficial encyclopedia from being published. You can read the details of the latest filing on leakynews.com. Also, I want to mention this as news because they're friends of mine and I think they're doing they're 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 very proud and I, I want to um, be proud of them uh, and I am proud of them. But I want to I want to share the people who have made a Harry Potter documentary called we are wizards mm-hmm. is have been accepted at the South by Southwest film festival in Austin, uh, in Texas, which is the first week of March. That's it's awesome. really, I'm really excited for them because I know they have been, they started work on this in November of 2005 and they recently wow. finished it at the beginning of this year. It will have its premiere on Saturday afternoon, March 8th in Austin, Texas. You can get more information by going to wearewizards-themovie.com. There's a lot of wizard rock in it. There's really funny stuff with Brad Neely, who does the Wizards Dear Reader. Um, My cat is in it. (laughs) That's what we heard. (laughs) The cat. Mooshka. Not forget about Melissa. I want to meet Luchka. seriously. I had to, I had to laugh because we were watching this. We were watching this movie, and they'd interviewed me a, a bunch of times over over the past two and a half years for this. I'm very flattered, even though I really can't stand watching myself on those things. But that aside, the first thing they showed, the first thing they showed of my life was my cat, and I couldn't stop laughing because I kept thinking this this cat has got more press. Than any animal has a right to. Paul, who she hates and she tries to eat him regularly, started cursing a blue streak when, when he saw her on the screen. It's very funny. So anyway, the, the movie, aside from that stuff, is really, really funny, especially with the Wizard Rock and the Brad Neely stuff and gives a nice slice of what has happened in fandom over these years. And I'm really proud to have been associated with it in any way. Very cool. That's really cool. That is very awesome. Yeah. I look forward to seeing Josh, it. Gerald, and Miles. What, Fred? How long is it? It's about an hour 15. That's a healthy length. It is. It's a healthy length. And it's nice. They have a really nice eye for the camera, especially the stuff that they filmed around the around the Deathly Hallows release and the way that they used Harry and the Potter's music mm-hmm. and other movies and music and 60s clips. It's a really, I think it's a nice retrospective of these years. I remember they, for those of you, and I know a lot of you guys came to that, the, the leaky mug, there's the trailer is up and you can see a real quick shot of me and John in there too. So. <laughs> Like I saw yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole the whole leaky mug crew up in in the, the New York. The first New York leaky, leaky mug is is shown briefly, yeah. as well as the the second one, oh. in August of '06. The August of '06 one is when I met you guys, but in Los Angeles in Feb. In yeah, it was in in that's, LA. Though. That's right. That's one I could have yeah. went to, but I couldn't get out track. I remember that one in in New York was so hot. That was when they had those terrible heat waves. I mean, that was just it's terrible. Oh. It was, it was so so hot. That was a crazy day. That was. But yeah, it's really it's really nice. If if you get a chance to see it, you should. It's a really interesting um, look. I had wanted to go, but I hurt my foot, so I don't know if I'm going to go down there. But I'd love I'd love to get that. That well, festival just, is so awesome, though. So. Yeah, I'm so proud of these guys because they have been. I like they are honestly two of the nicest guys. Three really, but I really mostly only knew two of them through the through the process. They've some of the nicest people you've ever met. So. Very cool. Yeah. Really but we need something positive about the fandom because, you know, there's other news. Right? Well, there's always positive stuff mm-hmm. about the fandom. We have, we can't focus on, on, on things that, that bring it down. I know a lot of people have been upset about the Lexicon lawsuit and that's, 
it's upsetting. It's upsetting yeah. to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's yes, probably the is. most we've said about it publicly, but it is, it's an upsetting thing, but we don't have to, you know, there's still doesn't take away at all the wonderful things that have happened in this fandom and continue to happen in this fandom. Right. So very good. That's a very good point. It's healthy to remember that. Well, the weapon we have is love, people. Yes, that's right. Woo-hoo. Okay. Well, that's nice. it. So we're waiting for news on the on the movie front, but that's that's all I got for you, babe. <laughs> I mean, we can always talk about Cedric. Okay, there was an article about Robert Pattinson, but he mentioned Cedric once, but he died. So you know, Cedric, not not Robert. <gasps> there you go. <laughs> See, I'm trying to be good Cedric because people dies. always say, "Oh, so all you ever talk about is Hufflepuff." You know, what can I say? I do. Okay. Can we, let's okay. look. So we're going to okay. do, we're going to do bit by bit and then a Phoenix files and then we'll have some, some chiara at the end. Cool. Okay. Peoples. Some chiara. Some chiara. Not cheddar. What's that? I like cheddar, cheddar cheese. Oh, chatter. Oh, chatter. Do I get to talk during the drums? You do get to talk during the drums. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. I've never got to talk during the drums before. Frack. Rack. Oh wow! This is gonna be so Can we do fun. a Disney sing along at the end? Oh yes, let's. All right. Yeah. Rock on. Let's go, people. Of course, we better all be disappointed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Can I can I say the password this week? Yes, you can. Hmm. Better start thinking because we got to go do bit by bit. I think it's gonna. Be- no, don't say it now. Don't say it now. Don't ruin it. Don't. And, oh, no, crap. we're off. We're off to bit by bit. See you guys there. Bye. <laughs> Welcome back to Bit by Bit, where we take a bit of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows and give it a closer look. And this week, we're at the famous wedding of Bill and... I guess we can't call her Flem anymore. That would be disrespectful. But Floor, Mrs. Floor Floor is an awesome character. As vain as she is, but she's very... I loved meeting her parents. It was so... It was very cool. It is. But But now... But now we're at the the pre-wedding moment, right, Molly? When... We are in the wedding. Well, well no, it's when Crumish has a yeah, right? Yeah. That's where we're, that's yeah. where we're about. They're, everybody's dancing. Yeah. Floor and Bill. <laughs> I almost said Bor and Flil. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Imagining a, a pig and lace dancing. <laughs> Bor and Frill. Bor and Frill. <laughs> a lacy pig. Uh, <laughs> Floor and Bill. Yeah. I've gotten married and everybody's dancing and a Quidditch superstar from Bulgaria shows. Yeah, I remember yeah, reading this. Um, I was a little disappointed initially that this was Crumb's role in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. I was hoping is a little more um, pivotal, but I was really just happy to see him. And so, And it was fun seeing, seeing Ron step up and really kind of... Um, you know, realize that him and Hermione had something in the past, so he just kind of like, no, let's dance and that was a lot of fun seeing Hermione all like kind of flattered the fact that Ron took her out dancing and stuff. That was really cute. Yeah. I kind of thought that his, his showing up would be, would be the thing that pushed the Ron Hermione relationship into fruition because of a jealous moment from Ron. And mm-hmm. we did get the jealous moment from Ron, but I have to say, I'm very happy to be wrong about this because the moment later was so much more of a payoff. Yeah. That's I very think, true. Yeah. You know, but it was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of expected more from Crumb, and I thought that he was a little bit larger. I mean, it's a funny line and everything, so maybe that was its purpose, but I thought that he was a little bit above what's the point of being an international Quidditch star if all the good-looking girls right. take it. <laughs> right. Maybe I Yeah, I don't think... I, I didn't really come off as arrogant. He was just probably frustrated, you know what I mean? So yeah. poor, poor international Quidditch star. Right. You poor baby. You can't get love. <laughs> yeah. But I like, okay, me, when we first meet him, though, he comes in and, like, uh, this is right, right before the, the actual ceremony. And, like, and she's like, Hermione's still it's like, Victor, you know? And I just, I was kind of hoping that Ron would, like, bring back that little Vicky kind of thing, but he didn't do it. I was kind of hoping he'd say that, you know? But he didn't. But the little, the little statue he had? He, no, he they always called him Vicky, right? Or somebody called him Vicky. Didn't they used to call him? Oh, yeah, oh okay. It's a little okay. jealousy Sorry. kind of thing. But then, and then Hermione, that, yeah. but I liked it though because that was foreshadowing though because she dropped her bag. And I like the line that says, it was quite disproportionate to its size. The magic, ma- yeah, Hermione's was... magic bag, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that little bag. foreboding sense of what has she got, you know, yeah. hooked up. Yeah. Hermione's yeah. ready to go. Yeah. So funny. It's like, did you guys make the connection at this point in the book 
when he was referring to the symbol that Xenophilius was wearing, that it was the the symbol on the spine that we were all thinking about, or you had you because like yeah, to me, yeah. I didn't think that was a sign. I just figured it's like oh, it's Grindelwald's mark, whatever. First, I was like, well, he Xenophilius can't be bad. I didn't really think it was the, the symbol on the spine. Did you guys think that? I thought it was a symbol on the spine, but I, I thought that then the symbol on the spine was Grindelwald's symbol and not the Deathly Hollows symbol, you know? Oh, I see. But, you okay. know, so like, like I, cause I was, we were sort of on the lookout. It was one of the big questions. What's that symbol? You know? So as soon as she described mm-hmm. that symbol on it, I was like, oh my God, it's the one on the spine. But until Xenophilia said it, I didn't think it had yeah. to do with it. And you bring up oh, the See, I thought the it, symbol on the spine was a ruin. And the fact that she brought a ruin dictionary with her in the bat, in the book, I figured like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to get an interpretation of it later on when they're right. finding the, but you know, whatever. It didn't work but you know, it's it's a really kind of astute thing she did here that that mirrors the swastika. The swastika, um, the symbol of the swastika wasn't always a Nazi symbol. Right. It was mm. from many many thousands of years ago. It was a symbol of I I, I did some hasty googling on this and it, and, it, and it apparently is crooked cross or well when I cross, went to um I went to symbol. Israel like two years ago and some of the old um, Jewish temples have that on it. And so that was a little, that was a little weird when I saw it at first. Cause you know, yeah. the whole, you know, it's almost like the opposite now because of what it was perverted into. Right. And so I thought that was a, like you said, it was interesting how she, she took that and tied it in, how it meant something else, but someone, some radical with skewed ideas and, you know, oh, very ambitious kind of totally perverted it and distorted it. Right. So. They even mentioned that, like, if you've seen the Da Vinci Code movie, they, that showed the opening montage mm-hmm. when, when Tom Hanks' character is there and he's talking about how symbols are, you know, through past and people, they can they convert, can change them and they mentioned the swastika. But I thought it was really interesting, too, in this, in the course of this, this thing, when we, we start hearing from Crumbs talking about how he's talking about Grindelwald's dark mark and about how Grindelwald had killed his, his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And you understand what the repercussions it's still the generations after these things happen, that there's still these generations are still dealing with mm-hmm. the after effects and they're trying to yeah, deal with those institutions. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and that emotion is still there. What do you do with it? You know, and well, it's like now you'd never walk. Yeah. So, you'd never walk into. I mean, it's really, really insensitive of Xenophilius, all his quirks aside, because that is like wearing a swastika on your chest yeah. to a large public yeah, event. It's true. You don't do it. But honestly, it didn't seem like he – I don't think that symbol was so widely spread because right. he seemed not to even he, – he thought – he figured that Crumb was mistaken, not that Crumb needs to get over it. He was just like, well, he's not – you know, I, I got the impression that he didn't even realize that this was the symbol of a dark wizard. Yeah, I think you're right. I think so, it's, it's a little less known than, than, a, than a swastika would be. Yeah, but I agree. It's It would be – just to illustrate Crumb's point of view, it would be just as offensive as someone wearing a squaska on their chest to someone's wedding. So. Oh, completely, completely, and yeah. and you know, and just his reaction. I mean, it, I just got chills when I was reading that because I kind of thought that was what the symbol was. Okay, I was like, as soon as I read that, but then it just gave me more chills because I understood the underlying themes, and you understood. You're starting to get that real sense of wow, you know, memory, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the long institutional memory that there is with this symbol and, yeah. and this community and the the roots that she set up. That was one of the things I was most excited about about Deathly Hollows is that this story, I mean, we always knew everything connected, yeah. but this story has roots like at least 100 years old yeah. from when we opened the first book. Yeah, yeah which, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, I love that about fiction. I love that when fiction does it. But Me too. Anyway. And Joe does it so wonderfully. I mean, how she just that in like that it was just amazing but then we go along and a ding it sets off a light in old harry who's a little bit slow on the draw yeah. and he gets that and he's gregorovich there you go ding 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 oh, yeah. and he has to pretend that he read a, he read it <laughs> in a fan magazine yeah. he forgot that he's barney barney the fanboy yeah there you go and it's kind of interesting too because later on in the book we learn about just how how intimate the connection between the wand and the wizard is, and mm-hmm. the fact that he's like, I don't remember talking about my wand in, you know, a, a fan magazine, and it was just like, it kind of brings a whole new level, like maybe it's something that it's kind of taboo to talk about in wizarding culture, you don't say like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. no, you're right, it, se- it seems a little personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know it's so it's so indicative of a person it's like it's like wearing your palm reading exactly on your chest or something oh, you know exactly or it's giving out the Myers Briggs. Yeah, I mean, because it has to do with your, your Myers Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> your Myers Briggs score tattooed on your forehead. That's your wand, I guess. But in the meantime, we have romance and the, and the against this backdrop of the horrors and you understand the evils that Ron is dancing with Hermione. I don't know about oh. you, but I was personally kind of squeefal at that. I was. Is that when they see Luna dancing as well? Yeah, and Ron says she's always good value. Good value. <laughs> what does that mean? Good value. She kind of she kind of is. She shows up and she's always entertaining. Yeah. You know, I love Luna. Luna's the best. She is. Luna. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, on, and just on a side note, I was hoping that Luna spending all that time with um, Ollivander in the basement and just how her character is and just how intuitive she mm-hmm. is. I would have loved the fact if she would have become one of the next wand makers. So I was always hoping that. So I was a little sad when J.K. Rowling said she wasn't a one maker. Oh, but, you know, it suited her, though, that she's a naturalist because her mind is so open to all yeah. these different things that she would be. You know, maybe she could she could give some recommendations so that this would make good things, of course, for wands or something. That's true. That's true. She could go find more wand cores. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. You totally would. Yeah. Ollivander only uses horn. three, right? Ollivander only uses three. Yeah, he uses heart string, dragon heart string, unicorn tail, and phoenix feathers. Grigorovich uses more. I want to know what what other kind of stuff you could use for a wand course. I guess threstral tails. They talked about the mm-hmm. yeah. Vila hair Bila? is in floors. Vila hair. That's right. I forgot what's in the center of crumbs. This is a dragon heart. Yeah, dragon heart string. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think maybe things like like jabronol feather. Maybe what about basilisk or... venom. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hard to keep in wood? That's true. That's a very valid point. <laughs> Wouldn't it like eat through? Or you can carve it out of a fang like Voldemort's wand. <laughs> like movies. Voldemort's noble collection Noble wand. collection yeah, wand that has that nothing to do with the books or in the creepy. movie, but it's just no, Because if Ollivander made that wand, I want to know Dead why. Because <laughs> like, oh, did you realize what was going to happen? Yeah. Or you keep an eye on the kid that gets that wand, the one that chooses that. It's like, uh, yep. I drip with evil. Pretty much. <laughs> Can I tell you one of my favorite things that had nothing to do with it, but there's sort of this line that just like, cause have you ever been to, I'm sure many people have been to wedding receptions. You know how people kind of get a little, they've had a few beers or two. And then you hear Hagrid sitting in a corner <laughs> singing again with some guy, wizard with a purple hat on and he's singing Odo the hero. I just amuse that Hagrid is always singing these obscure songs. <laughs> I have a, I have an internal switch that turns off whenever a character starts singing <laughs> very, very um, thick myth based songs, and it's because of Lord of the Rings. Oh, see, Lord of the Rings. That. I'm sorry, it killed me for every page. There's another song, and just singing about a mythical old character who put on his boots one day and played out some fable, and you know. And I just every time characters sing like that, I I sort of turn off. Oh, you know what? I don't what know about why. The sorting hat song. It is. No, it's different. The sorting hat song's different. The sorting hat song's not like. Oh, see, um, I love the sorting hat songs. I always. They're not talking about like goblins people. and like people who lived three thousand years ago. They're talking about things that are like relevant to the plot. You know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, but that's what like that's the what troubadours and the Shakespeare's. You know, there's always these songs who put stories into songs. Come on. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that there's. I have this quirk where I just my eyes glaze. Uh-huh. I don't know why. <laughs> Just think of it. They're like pre, pre, you know, you hairspray singers. They're yeah. pre Broadway singers. That's what it is. No, I, but it's, it's like it's like choral arrangements or chamber music kind of stuff. And I just yeah. I turn off. I'm unlike Dumbledore in that way. Right. Well, it amused me though because I can my goofy imagination can just see that <laughs> happening over there. And although I can probably say I've sing a couple times. But okay, moving along. We're talking about how do you say his name? Alphias. How do you say his first name? Dodge. Of, I guess it's Alphaeus. 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 I don't know. Tomato, tomato. Well, I, I'm, I've been listening to the, the audio version and they, they pronounce it Alphaeus. Alphaeus. Oh, okay. okay. And that must okay. be it because I think they ask her. Okay. That's good. Alphaeus. Okay. And then, then, and then, you know, <gasps> the big moment. Another kind of, I don't know what you call these expose, kind of like expository. Exposition. Yeah. 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 And we, well, we start to hear about Dumbledore's family. Right. And that Ariana oh, might right. or might not have been a squib. That the, um, you know, we hear, hear about Kendra. Yes. Who, I mean, I didn't get many indicators about Kendra, but I got the feeling that she was 
like Native American, not Native American, obviously, but has like a like a, like an Indian or like not. Oh, maybe like some exotic um, blood Genealogy, or something. I don't know. Yeah, just the way she was yeah, described. Uh, no, she wasn't pure blood, right? I don't think she was muggle born. She was like Hermione. And I, I kind of see her kind of like a, an exotic, high strung Hermione. Because like Hermione is extremely talented. And I think that her, Dumbledore's mother probably would have been too. Yeah, Kendra. Yeah, she's double. She's she's Muggleborn. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I did, you know, I'm just having a hard time remembering if it says somewhere that she had a more exotic look. Didn't Harry see a picture of her later? Yeah, yeah. It, it mentions her high cheekbones and her nose. So yeah, yeah okay. I always imagined her being kind of um, Native American ish. That'd be cool, right? But obviously, you or know, like Britain, um, so. Mesoamerican, something like mm. that. Right. No, well, no American, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. But that look, Hold yeah, on, yeah, I'll... that exotic, maybe Peloponnesian or Asian, not Asian, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like, I sort of like the bringing of a different culture into into Voldemort, uh, Voldemort, God, Dumbledore's bloodline. Yeah. But, you know, here's his good friend, his dear, Dumbledore's dear, dear good friend. And he's got to sit and listen to drunk kind of spiteful kind of gossipy muriel just going yeah. on just uh, but like you know like all good stories the truth lies in the middle like yeah. i think she made a point to show that alfia stoge's uh words were a little over soft yeah while of yeah, course readers were overly hard yeah that's a very good point he probably spared the truth to make his friend look better type of thing yeah mm-hmm. it's certainly a nice thing to do but the truth yeah, and nice especially in the fact that you know it's like a eulogy type of thing yeah <laughs> you don't really talk you know people glaze over negative facts about people when they're dead which i'm okay with. well yeah and, and here's his dear friend you know but so okay but then the, the interesting facts though are, are are like all these different things you know that she might have been a squib and i thought that was really because at that point you didn't know yeah. i mean you just didn't know yeah and you're like whoa well it's like we're starting to hear more about about his family. Um, we hear that he lived in Godric's hall. Yes. Do, 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 do. I wondered how she was going to get that in, and that's how she did it. That was awesome. Yeah. Wait, did we know that he lived in Godric's hollow prior? To the book no. Started? And Harry was very upset that he, that he had, didn't know, that he wasn't told. Yeah. You know, like he, th- he thinks it's something Dumbledore should have told him that, that they shared that, that bond. Like, how, how big could Godric's hollow be, honestly? Yeah. You know? Yeah, honestly, and that, that is something, even now, it's kind of like, how did that not come up before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, whoops. They're like neighbors, you know? They probably had barbecues together. <laughs> stuff. You know what did I'm they saying? they have block parties at the... At the... <laughs> yeah, block parties. <laughs> Trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating. Sitting on their cars, you know? <laughs> Sitting on their cars, making lemonade and playing music. You know you know yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, I can imagine a little Dumbledore selling lemonade. <laughs> Muggles. But I was ecstatic, though, when the name Bethelda Backshot came up again. I was like, yahoo, there, we've been hearing this, that history of magic forever, you know? know? Well, no, we only really heard her in any other context besides her being a... The author of a book. The author, only in in Deathly Hollows. Um, So I, I was actually really surprised when this name that's been sitting there all this time, it's as likely for it to be any other name that's of any author, you know? It's been sitting there all this time, and all of a sudden, she is a major player in this book. Right. And it's like, what? What? You know, it's just a, one of those oh, answers, answers, yes. answers kind of thing. Yes, because you know, at least for me, I, I, because I just have been wondering. I'm dying to know about that book, and and, and here's this author. So I thought it was, I was thrilled. I was squeeful. Like, yes, thank you, Joe. All right. Well, here's where we're going to have to leave off because Kingsley's Lynx appears <gasps> in the crowd. It slopes down and says in a very deep, rumbling Kingsley-esque voice. The ministry, the ministry has fallen. fallen. Scrimgeour is dead. The ministry have fallen. They are coming. And that's where oh, we'll pick it up next Can week. I just please, Warner Brothers, if anyone is listening to this, please put that line in the trailer, oh, yeah. in the movie, please. Such a great line. And it's a great trailer line. Yes, too. it is complete. They it are is. coming. And they can show like, oh, I have, oh, sorry. I have, to t- I have to tell a story. And this story has been told among friends, but I got, I got to tell it again. It has nothing to do with Deathly Hallows. But this summer, we were all at Prophecy. And after the leaky mug, when the, the leaky mug was at midnight and at around two o'clock in the morning, the Wizard Rockers commandeered the common room and started playing music. And it was like a 20 minute 
music party that kept getting interrupted because obviously it was really loud. We were in the hotel. We were really interrupting <laughs> the guests, mm-hmm. right? So Alex Carpenter, who's the Remus Lupins, couldn't get into the to the common room because he forgot his badge, so nobody would let him in. Anyway, he saw he saw the final like group of people about to smack down the party coming down the hallway, and he busted in and grabs first Paul's and then mine a couple of people's arms and just grabbed him and said, Rufus Scrimger is dead. The ministry has fallen. They are coming. And at the very next second, somebody yanked the power of the music out of the wall. So it was like, they are coming. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> the music stopped. It was amazing. It was one of that's the most really amazing cool. moments that's kinda, that's fun. of the year. <laughs> but anyway, that was great. That was It was, it was just the, the perfect use of that phrase in real life. When do you ever get to use that phrase in real life, honestly? <laughs> All right, we're going to go over to Phoenix Files, and then we'll see you later. We are back, and we are now doing Phoenix Files. And we left off where Snape takes Harry down to the basement, or the dungeon. To teach him occlumency. <laughs> like I said. You know that Snape, for years, has wanted to do that thing where he takes Harry's hand from Gryffindor, from Dumbledore's tower and drags him by the arm socket all the way down to the dungeon. That is a very symbolic thing. That's very yes. true. He's wanted to throw him down those stairs for years. He's going down, down, down into the depths of the Mystery Man, which we didn't know at this point, you know? That was so cool. And it was just so... That was a good shot. Did either of you laugh when he like unrolls his pack of torture devices and his wand is in there? <laughs> yes. Now, why? Don't, now let's talk about this because I thought that was really, really interesting part choice on the filmmaker's part to do that. Is Snape so powerful that he doesn't carry a wand, or is this a special wand that he kept aside so Harry couldn't possibly access his? Because knowing what we know in the books, that he couldn't access things. Who knows? I think wand? it was just a storytelling like device that they, they just it looked visually appealing. Is that it? And yeah. so it look I honestly I just think it looked like some sort of tool. <laughs> yeah. And so they just kinda they put out like this belt and it was to imply like you you see movies when people are getting tortured and they, they unfurl this like this tapestry of like knives and blades and like curly Q mabob French fry makers and two, um, <laughs> meat tenderizers, you know, and- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so I think it's to imply the fact that because you know, I don't know if they do they address in the movie the fact that like when they're doing the occupancy, he could actually be opening up Harry's mind to Voldemort. No, and so we don't know. Okay, well, I think it's just it with the whole duality of Snape's character in the movies, is he good or is he bad, that they, they kind of play around with. I think it's just kind of like, oh, is he torturing him or is he really helping him? I don't know. I think it was just kind of... And it's it looks weird. visually cool. But it was kind of hokey for his wand to be in there, to be honest. Unless it was like a yeah. different wand that he only uses when doing this kind of... Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Snape is really creepy and we don't know, but <laughs> they could have found something else to do with him. Right I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I think you're right, Frack. I think it was just a visually, it would have been a boring moment. Yeah. Know? I just yeah. lent it to the ominence, the, you know, the malice behind Snape. You just didn't really quite, you know, that was, but it was cool. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. But then I thought it was really interesting, his dialogue there, because Alan Rickman is such a great performer and they had very, he doesn't get very many, I always bemoaned that the lack of dialogue for the adult actors, but we learned that the way he delivered the lines when he's talking about the Dark Lord had used this before in the past this this occlumency until they beg for mercy you know and i just thought oh, that was a cool moment you know you just understood that the- yeah and that's good because it illustrates the power of that that branch of exactly magic. exactly and so and the fact that honestly that's you know we learn later in the series that the whole occlumency and um what's the other branch of it what's it what's it called legitimacy um it's it was a big part of Voldemort's downfall yeah. because of, of Snape's role and his mastery of that, that magic. It's really true. It's really true. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing really, because that whole scene seems, seems a little, to be honest, a little contrived to me to make it a little bit more heightened than the scene we left before it. Cause they had to make it a little, a little more heightened. And how do you heighten 
Harry having just witnessed the attack on Arthur. You have to make it look like he's in pain now. Legitimacy is painful. And, you know, it's, 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 I thought it was all what was necessary for the movie, but not really that true to the. Oh, no, not even close to the. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the, um, like all the images that he sees. And then when he hugs Sirius, I think that that was a good way of illustrating just how, you know, piercing someone's mind is a, is a total violation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, and someone that you don't even like doing it even more so. And the fact that you know that there's a history, like Harry's aware of, you know, Snape's history with, with, um, with Sirius and, you know, his father and whatnot. And, I think it was, it's just, I think it illustrated the fact that like, you know, he's being forced to quote unquote, learn this branch of magic that he's not very comfortable with. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to get yeah. at, I don't, I don't know. If and I, I just love, uh, one thing I really did love, love here where the only way of explaining that, that Snape did was I will try to penetrate your mind. You will try to resist. Boom. That's it. We're done. That's all you get in this little game because this is real life stakes, mm. you know? Yeah. And and they're in it but if you look at the memories like you said it's interesting watching how the they portrayed the mind as a very subjective thing how the mind kind of goes in these waves and and rests at for instance in images Harry, and image, oh, in the Harry mirror of Harry that was awesome that's not i don't think that's in this one oh what happens in this one you see you see the the, the ministry flight on the brooms uh, uh-huh. not the ministry flight the flight to grimall place then you see Sirius at the at the end of the Grimmauld hallway. There's a blinking eye. Then it's Hermione hugging Harry. Then another eye. Then the fake um, Death oh, Eater yeah. in the the Room of Requirement room. Then another eye. Everyone leaving the 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 DA. Again the fake thing. Um, no, before it was a Dementor, and then after everyone leaves the DA, it's that fake Death Eater again. Then Platform Nine and Three Quarters and Voldemort in the suit. Harry and Dudley and Magnolia Crescent. The eye again. The ministry door, and again Voldemort in the suit. But when does Snape does look at Harry in the yeah later? Then he goes, "That's private." Later, that's later. Oh well, I like that part. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But the eye. There's four instances in which we see Mm -hmm. an eye in this. Whose eye is it? Is it Harry's? I think it's Harry's. I think that's just illustrating the fact that you know to do it you need eye contact. Mm-hmm. And like in the books, that's like exposition that's given that's thrown around left and right when it refers to occupancy and legitimacy. So I think that's probably just a good visual film way of communicating that. Yes, yeah, so and keep your eyes open. You know, just all this little subtle, little subtlety things. You know, and what what? Yeah, and it's just you know, it's striking him. Yeah, it is. It is. It was, so awesome. that you know, you wondered how they would they would would film such a scene. You know, how do you capture that? Yeah. And uh, so that was kind of cool. I thought, you know, it was kind of, it was very dramatic, you know, my little boy was like, whoa, when that first happened, you know, just scared the younger children. But after, I think he was still freaked out still from the snake attack, which was still pretty intense, but you know, snake attack was pretty gruesome. It was, you know, so this, I think was kind of maybe even kind of a pullback, but it was, it was so, it was just so interesting that the camera, the camera angle of it, you, you zoomed right into Harry's eye and then zoom, picture, 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 and then you, you pull out, yeah. you know, um, and then right through the window and out into the rainy, the rainy night. Yeah. Yes. I love those models of Hogwarts though. I just love them. Thank you for putting those in. <laughs> They're so good. But I mean, it was just kind of like, and then that was it. That scene kind of just kind of ended, you know, just like, well, but, but so I don't know, but then it kind of transformed on, they go on to Christmas and we'll talk about that next time, but it was kind of just, yes. you know, <laughs> Yeah, well, we had a long bit by bit today, yeah. so I think that we can leave it on a short Phoenix Files. That's all. Occlumency is a big topic. So, anybody got anything important to say about occlumency here? Occlumency is powerful. <laughs> occlumency rocks. Well, this is really legitimacy in this yeah. one. Snape That's what Snape's doing. Yeah. Harry's no, trying to occlumency. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, but we just, you know, I mean, obviously it becomes such a a factor in Deathly Hallows, but I just didn't realize how much of a master Snape was. I mean, he's as good as Voldemort, literally, you know? Better. Yeah. 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 Better. Because he has the humility to realize his own limits. Voldemort, his his arrogance blinds him. It surely does. Ooh, very profound way to end it. All right, guys, we'll see you. Yeah, (laughs) we will see you next week on the Phoenix Files. We'll be back with the drums shortly. The drums!
to Scribby 5, the five-minute podcast of the Leaky Cauldron's premier essay project, Scribulous. I am Erin, or Kalthios on the boards, and joining me today are Linda, who's also Mosaic. Hello. And Beth, who's known as Looney Love. Shh. Uh, is there something wrong, Beth? Don't say my name. Oh. What? What's wrong with you, Beth? We always say our names on Scribby 5. How else are listeners supposed to know who we are? Linda! Ugh, you've gone and done it now. They're going to find us all. Don't you guys know what essay we're talking about this week? What essay are we talking about this week? Linda, do you know? No. We usually get an email or something about it. Come to think of it, I didn't get a, I did get a lot of Scribby emails, but they were all typed in windings. Right. Those were from me. They were in code. Because this week, we're talking about the groundbreaking article, CIA secretly copied Deathly Hallows manuscript to change plot lines, written by Bob Woodwand and Carl Bernstake. They blew the top right off the CIA plot to steal and alter Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows before its release. Oh, I heard about that. It was an issue. Shh. Issue 11, Beth. Anyway, it seems the government was so upset by Joe's proposed plot for Deathly Hallows, they created a covert task force to copy the manuscript before it could be published. Right, Aaron. Remember that debacle about airport officials trying to force Joe to give her manuscript at JFK back in 2006? According to mm. Woodwand and Burnstake, that was the CIA's clever trick to force Joe through a specially developed metal detector that would copy the full content of anything between a postcard and the Edinburgh Telephone Dictionary. But luckily, Joe was able to confuse their fancy machinery by clutching the manuscript so tightly that they couldn't get a clear scan. Well, apparently, this is something the CIA has been doing for years. All those so-called translations of the Harry Potter books have actually been secret government plans, something I've always suspected, to alter the plot lines of her stories. Woodwan and Burnsake say, such translations inevitably differ in content in various places from the British original, and even an irreplaceable key word in the first book's title, had in fact been ruthlessly ousted and replaced by a fancy substitute that did not remotely resemble the original term and did not even make sense in the translated form. You know, I never thought about that, Aaron, but I did hear that Woodwand and Bernstake went so far as to consult Dr. Kabuter Gilderoy Calder, a world-renowned professor of arithmancy. Apparently, he was getting some real pressure from government officials because of his Deathly Hallow predictions. And they were really ticked off about what he had to say. First, he correctly, well, almost correctly, predicted the title of the seventh book. He, call, he came up two letters shy with Harry Potter and the Deathly Halos. The, then he predicted that Hogwarts would go bankrupt because of decreased enrollment in Dumbledore's absence. Well, that didn't exactly happen, but Calder did predict that Harry would receive help from an unregistered animagus called Deep Goat. Now, we don't know for sure who Deep Goat was, but we do know that the trio received a lot of help from a certain goat-loving bar owner. Those pigs and the creep, the committee to revise the emotional and embarrassing Potterverse, they just couldn't handle how real it got when people protested against the unfair treatment of Snape and Order of the Phoenix. And they went through the roof when Harry Hermione shippers and Harry Jenny shippers started clashing after Half-Blood Prince. No, no, we can't have any kind of embarrassing displays like that. When they got a look at Deathly Hallows, the creeps came in and tried to delete any scenes they found unwholesome, like replacing the barbed exchange between Harry and Voldemort with a series of polite memos sent from one camp to the other. We need to be very careful what we say here. The walls have ears. Uh, Beth? Yes? You do realize that we're recording a Scrooby 5 right now. Oh. A lot of people are going to hear this. Oh, no. I gotta go. Did she really leave Beth? I think she did, Linda. Beth? Is she being paranoid, or should we be worried? I'm not sure, but um, I, I think I need to call the Witness Protect Program. <laughs> but um, I guess that's it for this week's Scribby 5. Uh, be sure to read this essay and many more at www.scribulous.com, and look for our April Fool's spoof issue coming soon. 
Um, any sign of Beth there, Aaron? No, she's long gone, and I think I heard her mumbling something about a passport, and I'm looking for mine, too. Yeah, um, we'll see you next week, guys. Bye! Yeah, bye! And it's the drums! Yeah. I like being on the drums. I've never been here before. John they sound so loud when you're this close. You do. It's a little distracting, never... to be honest. Yeah, aren't they? <laughs> I know. I know, but once you get into the rhythm, gets in your head. You can't get rid of it. And if a week goes by and you haven't heard drums, you just you go crazy. <laughs> necessities. <laughs> I almost had a like bare necessities. Bare necessities. You know, Frack, when I when I did my oh, little late solo a few weeks ago, I was thinking I really of you the it. whole time. Frack and I in California, Frack and I I don't yeah. know, sang sang Little Mermaid five times over. Every time we were sitting in his house just kinda of chilling out in the couple of hours a day we had when we weren't running around, all of a sudden the blaring <laughs> Disney music would come from your office. I don't like Disney music. What? No, not you. Do I like whimsical um, sounds? Yes, I do. I do like whimsical I sounds. It. I love it. I like when mermaids sing, and when lions sing, and... Have you seen that The Little Mermaid is now a play? Musical? I have, and I'm excited to hear if it's any good, because I know Tarzan was a disaster, and Tarzan <laughs> yeah. was a great animated I've heard film. it's not that great. Oh, crap. But they use those those sneakers that have the, the, the wheelie... In the what? They use to look like floating fish. They use those those shoes that have the wheelie under the foot that the kids wear in the malls, and I always feel like I want to stop them from wearing them because I feel like they're the most dangerous pairs of shoes you could ever put on your feet. Uh-huh. Um, Peelies or whatever? They use those wheelies. I don't know what they're called. They use them on the on the stage to float around like fish. Does it look good? What I haven't the seen blades, it. Oh, I, I just heard about it. Hmm. Mm. Can I make one quick announcement oh, off topic here? Oh, off of musical no. talent. Okay. <laughs> because we, because no. I, swore, I promise people we got deluged by owls. March 8th, people, for the acting troupe. Yes. March 8th. I'm excited about this acting you troupe. Gonna, are you going to be in it? Can I audition? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'm very good at that, though. But I'll be. If you guys have a little small part for me, I'd be more than willing to do it. Well, I have no. It's not my bag. Got to ask John and Megan. Okay, I'll talk to John. So obviously, it's not going to be. Um, we're not going to have results until after John gets back from his little yeah. sojourn into academia. <laughs> and we all both chuck off that thought. No, <laughs> you're terrible. Can we? Oh, oh! When He's I was away, I was away for for like less than a week, and he gave me a bad nickname. Can we give him a nickname? Oh, I want to help. Um, you were Melvin. <laughs> yes. So that that's a boy name. So let's give him a girl name. Well, we already have Juanita. Um, Juanita. But that's, you know, we need a new one. Yeah. No, we need one that's. Because Melvin's like a boy name and it's like a horrible nerd name. Sorry if anybody's sorry, Melvin with the audience. Yeah, but you gotta admit that it's not the all the Melvins are gonna write in. I know. Boycott the show. Well, Way to go! You pissed off Melvins guys. around the world. Way to go, Melissa. You know, those Melvins could get together and run, you know, all the computer stuff ever. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be in my inbox this week. Okay. Yeah. Oh crap! It's my fault. Oh, well, we should have like a viewer uh, poll or something for a name. Come on, people. Send not, in. No, no, no. Let's 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 think of viewer. Okay. So a girl no. name, but a bad. Can we call him Gretchen? Sorry, Gretchen. Gretchen. No, what's her no, name? Marietta. Like Marietta Edgecombe. She was a sneak. Well, but mine is Melvin and have my first three letters. Oh, okay. So yeah. So we need something with a J. With a J sound. Uh, we are not good at this. He's better at this. Yeah. Jonet. Janet. Damn it, Janet. Rocky Horror. Janet. <gasps> sorry. Oh, I said the B word. Bad word. Sorry. Jen. Janine. Um. This is bad. Send us your ideas, people. Seriously, you know. Yeah. So send us your ideas. Yeah. And if you're going to send a thing too, speaking of mailing things, March 8th, you still have a week to go yet for until March 8th to send in the acting trip and send it to staff at pottercast.com. There. Got it. Yes. Pottercast.com. Yes. 
that was okay. So very musical. Sue, you were mentioning before the the, the three animals and the jingle spell. Yes. Uh, edition fractured those two four animals actually, but three were together and one was separate. Yeah. If you look in yes. your jingle spells artwork, there's the front mm-hmm. and the inside. You have all the little the patronuses for the bands. Then there's three random animals, and then on the back there's another random animal. Mm-hmm. The three random animals on the inside are a badger, a armadillo, and a baby tiger. tiger. And on the back there's a penguin. So, hmm, what do you guys think they are? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Give you three guesses. Well, I'm partial to badgers for some huffle-puffly reason. Mm. <laughs> for some reason. Huffle-puffly reason. Hmm. So, yes, as many of you rightly surmised, they are mine, John's, and Sue's Patroni. Yay! And the oh. penguin, the penguin is Frax. Yay! That's my so. Patronus. It's a penguin. I was so, you know, it's my, that and yours together, you sent me the file, the kind of larger uh-huh. file. That's the background on my computer. Oh, I love it. so flattering. I love it. I look Thank at you. it and I see my, my, my friends and animals. I had such form. fun doing all that. And then I was glad you guys let me sneak my Patronus in there. Speaking of oh, Jingle Spells, I just made the donation from Jingle Spells. Oh, you I'm did? I'm going to about it real soon. Oh, oh excellent. 30, wait, are you ready? Yes. Yes. 34 thousand dollars. Wow. Are you serious? I am dead serious. That's what we cleared. $34,000. That's what we cleared. That is amazing, Melissa, and everybody else who contributed. It's not me. It's everybody else. $34,000. That is so cool. Are the sales on iTunes going good? The sales on iTunes are going very good, and all that money will also, in addition, be be donated to charity um, to book aid. There are there are some um, all donated money is going to book aid. I managed to wrangle us a few savings here and there that have added up, and those will be going to another charity. I haven't totally decided yet um, because we figured right, thirty four thousand. Know. Wow, thirty four thousand. See, is it not a proven fact? Time and time again, the Harry Potter fan can step up, man, and, and show and deliver. That's so and that's cool. awesome. You, you all did it, and the, the bands contributed to that, and and just oh, brilliant. Well done. That's amazing. Wow, that is beautiful. So I tell people about that, and then I say, like, oh, I donated to charity, but I had no idea the magnitude. And now do, you know what, be- do you know what that comes into? That, that means 17,000 books. Think about that. That's so cool. Book Aid is going to put something on their site. It's going to, we're going to, um, ugh, it's just, it's, it's great. It's more than we've ever donated in total over the yeah. past five years at once. 34, no, honestly, that... That would be a great annual thing to do now. Yeah. yeah though I'm totally. going to help sending freaking things yeah. out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm going to help to... this year, though. I mean, this year, I would. if we do it okay. again, we don't know. Okay. If we do it, I'm going to come help you out. Maybe we'll split them up yeah. and you, you send out a thousand and somebody else sends out a thousand because yeah. you had to see my apartment during this. <laughs> oh, dear. What a mess. I wish I could have made it out there. I wish so too. Well, I'll send you. I'll but send you a thousand so CDs away. to send out next time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yay! But oh, this is so good. And no, the artwork congr- yes. is so adorable. I must say, all of them are just beautiful. I just think they're just no. so cute. All the little actors. congratulations goes to everybody who donated for that. You can still get it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Just go to the iTunes store and Google Jingle Spells, or it's available on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. It's available on Napster. All proceeds, yes, are still going to charity. It's been a wonderful effort. You know, you were you were saying before you wanted. To find good things in the fandom, look what this fandom just did. Yeah, it's great, awesome. We love so. Book Aid and LeakyCon too is uh, helping going to do that charity. Mm-hmm. LeakyCon, are you coming? Frack? Coming. You have to come. Um, if I can afford it, yeah. It's just right now my work situations, but I'm gonna do my best. I'm so excited about that. So I'll be, yeah, I'm gonna be there basically. So yes, I'll be there. You better be there. That's it. Yeah. I'm not taking no for an answer. <laughs> Oh, I I'm I was so excited. And in Boston, hello. I know. I wanted to go to Boston. It's it it's gonna be it's gonna be so great. We'll have more details on that soon. Another little reminder for the, for everybody. In this August, there'll oh, be a live podcast. If you guys need podcast. drawings for that, just let me know. What? If you guys want any drawings for that, I'm more than willing to help out. <laughs> I'm offering <laughs> my services on air. Okay. Also, this anyway. August, we will be doing a live podcast at Terminus 2008. That's Terminus2008.org. I'm told there might be some more fun news about that conference coming up pretty soon. And can I just say this? No, one more thing. And I'm going to, and he's not here and he can do this. Sue. Guess who's in my house? <laughs> Who? John Noe. John's in your house. <laughs> what? 
I'm. Uh, I, I got John's and Sue's house at Terminus. Yes. You know, I'm I'm head of uh, the Pampero house at Terminus, and John got sorted into my house. Sweet. <laughs> oh. I was he was in your house, like right now in your no. home. I was like, how did he get over there? No. <laughs> how did he get over yeah, there? Wish. No, he's, he's, I wish I was down there where it's warm. But no, but oh, he's going to be in. I just like, oh, there is, there is some justice in the world. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> Sue, I'm in the Brew Brew house. All right. Oh, oh. I am. Remember we said I thought it was because I was from the north? That's exactly what I think happened. Yeah. Oh, so. you cracked their code. We cracked the code. Oh. These are like the Da Vinci I'm, Code well, people. See, like see I'm always things. torn, though, because I'm such a big fan of those guys. They're from our friend from Draco and the Malfoys. And, you know, but that doesn't mean you're going to the dark side because you're in his house. You know, just saying. The dark Because I saw a photo no, of never... him wearing a Hufflepuff scarf. I'm just going <gasps> to say it right now. So there's hope. Okay. Well, I think it is time that we tell people how to get with us for the next show. Oh, yes. Everybody keep twiddling those dials. The next password will be Snipper. <laughs> keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Good night. W's free. Oh, and about time to. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. 